Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 43. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and on this episode, I'm speaking with Philip Jameson of Caspian. Now, some of you may not be familiar with Caspian, and if that's the case, I have to say, as much as I don't want to make you feel weird, I'm a little sorry for you. Caspian are kind of post-rock gods, even though I feel like that description doesn't really just, you know, really really fit them quite right. Post-rock is usually associated with instrumental music that is, you know, kind of big and epic, and Caspian definitely do that, but their music is so much more. It's it's more lush, it pushes the boundaries in different ways than your typical post-rock band. I, I don't really know how to define it, but anyone that's been fortunate enough to experience Caspian's music no doubt knows what I'm talking about. Philip and I had a great conversation about the band's new album, which comes out this later this month on Triple Crown Records, and we also talked a little bit about the promotion for the record and how he and the band continue to cultivate such a strong, dedicated community of fans, even through a style of music that, you know, there is no lyrics, there's none of that, you know, people have to connect with the music in a completely different way than they would with your typical rock band, and I kind of wanted to dig into that, and thankfully Philip was able to help us. Something i got to tell you about before we get into the show, however, and this is a little bit heartbreaking, is that the quality of this recording is a little bit below our standard. The reason for this is pretty simple. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a company came to me and said that they really enjoyed the show, but they thought they could make the podcast sound better. I'm always up for better quality in my podcast, so we decided to give them a test run. A couple of weeks ago, we tried it while we were recording another episode, and it came across pretty good, so I said, why not? We'll give you a shot, and if we liked it, we are going to you know, kind of partner with them and start using their software, maybe even promote them here on the show. Fact of the matter is, it didn't work out. The recording, while still good, is not really where I'd like it to be, and in terms of being able to edit it due to the way they compress things, it's, it's a whole long story, but essentially, the recording you're about to hear is still completely listenable. Philip sounds great throughout it all, and I sound like a child, but that's okay. Uh, I thought real long and hard about not releasing the episode, but it, Philip's so good in it, and I really wanted to share everything he had to say because it kind of touched my heart. And yeah, I apologize and I promise, you know, next week the show will be right back up to our usual standards, hopefully even improving beyond that in the coming months. But this was an experiment that didn't go well. Sometimes that happens in life and we just got to keep moving forward. Before we get to the show, I need to tell you that our sponsor, as always, is Holix, the Internet's leading promotional distribution platform. What Holix does is they provide a secure place for labels and independent artists and publicists around the world to share unreleased music with members of the press and other industry professionals ahead of its release date without having to worry about piracy. Should leaks occur, Holix offers watermarking technology and other anti-piracy tools to help track down the source of leaks as well as prevent their ability to further proliferate online. For more information on Holix and access to a free 30-day trial, visit www.holix.com. That's www.h-a-u-l-i-x.com. Now I'm going to play a little bit of Caspian's music. Unfortunately, nothing from the new album, just because I couldn't get my hands on any of the files just yet. And for good reason. It's not out yet, and the label needs to keep it safe. But here's just a little taste of Caspian for those who haven't heard it. And then we'll get to the conversation. Thanks so much for listening. from uh, the album hitting stores right now. So let's start simple. How are you feeling about album number four, getting ready to you know reach the public? Pretty good. Um, you know, it, it's it's always strange as these 
as a band member because, you know, we wrapped this up. I mean, we were in the thick of it a year ago writing this thing. Um, and that's when the emotions were sort of at their ripest and all the feelings and the reflections and the sleepless nights of thinking about songwriting and sounds and moods and atmospheres were sort of like at their peak, you know? Um, so we finished recording and mixing in March, I think, March or February. And, you know, once you're done with something that consumes so much of your time like this, you kind of want to immediately turn the page and you don't want to run away and hide from it, but you want to just, you know, you don't want to listen back to it or get too consumed in it and sort of psych yourself out and convince yourself that you, you know, wasted all this time working on this shit. Um, Oh wait, can I, should I not curse? I don't know. Oh, no, <laughs> I've never done it's, it's the internet. You're okay. way I, okay. I, I, have no, I have no idea like what the ground rules are. Um, but yeah, so I think there's this moment after you're done recording it where you sort of separate yourself from everything surrounding the experience and you try to just stick your head up for air for a second um, and look around and be like, oh, wow, what's changed in the last year and a half when this thing, the 60 minutes of music I've been working on has consumed me for this long. And then eventually you come back around, you know, because you got to start sort of, you know, quote unquote, working the record or whatever. Um, and then you got to put yourself into other people's mindsets and be like, all right, they're hearing this for the first time. So where do I fit into the experience now? Like, do I just keep moving on and keep sort of trucking onto the next thing? Or it's kind of a, it's an interesting window or like a no man's land, I guess. But that said, to answer your question, I mean, so pretty good. You know, it seems like, I think when when we go into putting out new music, we have certain expectations, and we have we have a million expectations, and we have zero. Like I'm one of those people where, for better or for worse, I'm gonna expect everyone to sort of just hate everything that we put out. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's like insecurity or self consciousness or something. But anytime someone says that they're digging what we're doing, and they isolate the fact that like we're trying to sort of push the agenda forward with what we're creating. That always feels like kind of a good feather in the cap. So there's, there's been a lot of good feedback from friends, people I trust, from you know random Caspian fans and stuff who seem to be connecting to what we've showed them so far. And I think it bodes well. So yeah, um, I think all in all, everyone's feeling pretty good. We're just starting to transition into tour mode now. So tour mode is different than writing. I mean, writing, you're sort of surrounded by the domesticated bliss of having your own bed and your own shower and cooking your own food and sort of doing things right. at your own speed. Um, but you're in the, you're in a different kind of creative zone. And then when you go on tour, it's a little bit more about execution. It's not quite as creative because uh, you kind of do the same thing every night, you know? Um, that's more about, I don't want to say like you have to bring more professionalism to that aspect of this, but you have to sort of, you just gotta, you gotta stay afloat on the road and it's, it, it comes in many different forms and we all support each other in whatever ways we need. Um, but it's two very different worlds. So I think subconsciously we're kind of on our way towards that end of the spectrum right now. At the same time, it's like the record is now officially coming out and we still have to occupy a little bit of that realm of the place and that has, the mindset that we were in when we were putting the record together, which like I said, was a year ago. So it's, it's an interesting spot to be, but 
all things considered, it feels all right, man. Well, that's good to hear. I was going to ask, do you think, how has, how has like you know, this, this period that we're in right now, what you just described, how has that changed for you kind of from release to release? Is it the same like excitement and nervousness or do you feel like you, you see it in a different way with yeah. the new album? The, the anticipation is always the same. Um, I think over time, well, I, I don't know. There's, there's so many answers to that question. I, I can't think of the best one necessarily. Um, but I think I don't want to, I don't want to say that over time you take things less seriously because we certainly, I mean, we take this extremely seriously. I mean, we take the only thing that you kind of take seriously anymore is your music in terms of like, if your band is trendy or cool or hip, or if you're getting, you know, coverage from whoever or whatever the fuck, I mean, that's sort of, that all kind of starts going out the window. Like when you start going for the, when we started going for this back in the day, it's like, like anyone who starts going for it with music, it's like, I want to be in, I want a band to be the biggest band in the world. Like I want to be the most popular right. band that's ever existed and want as many people as possible to hear it. And like we cross all these boundaries and yada, yada. And that's great sort of innocent um, intentions. But I think over time, those sort of get tempered down a little bit by, um, the weight of, you know, getting feedback from all sort of shapes and sizes and seeing how the music affects people and how far it reaches out and how insular it remains or whatever. Um, so, I mean, we, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think you sort of learn, you learn more about yourself as this whole thing progresses and you, you, you get a better grasp on what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think, you know, like seven, six or seven years ago, I think we were sort of chasing that, like, well, you know, everyone says we're a post-rock band, but we want to be a band for everybody. So, like, why aren't people catching on to that or, or what have you? You know what I mean? And I think after a certain point, you got to just sort of let that go and let the music speak for itself. And you can't, you realize that you can't quality control things as much as you'd like. So I think letting go of that and just sort of letting it be and letting people formulate their own opinions and not really taking the opinions as personal or as serious as you did, you know, years ago, I think it's been like a huge sort of thing to, to, to add to this whole experience. Um, it's definitely made it, it made it, it's made it an easier night to pass through, I guess I would say, you know, like sort of diffusing a little bit of the, you know what I mean? It's like, it's sort of, yeah, it's like diffusing a little bit of that um, intensity and by no way compromising the sincerity or, you know, the seriousness of any of this, but it's just taking yourself a little less serious and it's taking the music, like it's acknowledging that people are going to have their thoughts and it's going to reach certain people and it's not going to reach other people and whatever. And just sort of standing your ground, doing what you do and kind of hoping for the best, but realizing in the end, you can't really control everything. You know, when you start this out, it's wide eyed and you feel like you can get your hands around every little thing and it just goes on longer you realize that it's not possible to do that. And if you try to do that, you're going to drive yourself literally insane. Um, so right. it's kind of helped us circle the wagons and focus on what really matters. And that's us making music that we enjoy, that we're proud of, and that we would, you know, go on tour for and support for a long time or charge people like their hard-earned money to buy. Like we wouldn't, we would never put out anything that doesn't accommodate those two things. So 
I guess over time, it helps simplify things. Now, that said, and I won't go off on a tangent, I'll let you get to another question, but I mean, <laughs> that said, there's also a multiplicity of things that have become infinitely more confusing and mind-boggling and create a billion more insecurities and whatever. Um, but those are, yeah, the, the, those are, that's a whole, like, a, a tenuous element of this, I guess, that would take me a long time to unpack, so. <laughs> I get, hopefully that answers your question. No, no, you're fine. You're doing fine. You're doing great. We're right on track. Uh, I, but I think I think I get where you're coming from, though. I think there's definitely something that comes with whenever you start putting yourself out there, really in any medium. There's like this. There's a want to like get the recognition from you know the respected sources to kind of get get your name out there and get that acclaim. But once once you get all that and you realize that there's really like there's no real I don't know how to put it other than like inward gratification for that. Like you don't really get anything out of that other than like very fleeting happiness. I think that you, you start exactly. looking for, I think you start expecting other things or wanting other things out of your future work. And then I guess I can kind of change what you're looking for when a new album's coming out. You know what I mean? You're not looking for the dimension and the big thing as much as like challenge meeting your own expectations or whatever it might be. Without a doubt, yeah, you recalibrate those expectations and you sort of you uh, you realign them in a different way in your mind, and you make you make peace with the way this all sort of shakes out in ways that have nothing to do with you, and you realize that like you're the only one who's sort of in control of the way that you approach whatever is thrown at you. So you you do end up possessing like a sense of self ownership, I think, that is always evolving, and if you're trying to like stay focused on that, that's a great thing. I think people in this line of work when they start I mean when the insecurities and the self-consciousness starts taking over um and sort of goes unchecked that's when people start really going off the rails you know and we're we're always trying to keep ourselves from that so that that, uh, that idea of self-possession and like knowing yourself for lack of a better way of putting it you know no, I definitely understand. Um, I was just, you know, earlier today, actually, I had a chance to watch that uh, mini documentary you guys put out about the listening session you did back oh, in Oh, right on. Yeah. I was wondering if we could talk about this a little bit. I, I really love the idea, and I was like, I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. For people that haven't seen it, they can watch it on YouTube if they're listening to this right now. We'll kind of address the audience off fourth wall for a second. Uh, it's it's yeah. on YouTube. It's on the Caspian site. Um, so you guys brought together how well let's start at, at the origin of it all how did you find these fans how did you bring them together how did how did it happen yeah we hatched the idea sometime i think it was in uh march once the album was done we were like how do we want to what do we want our first shot over the bow here to be you know should we go through the proper channels and just sort of do it like we've done the last few records or do we want to try to get a little creative and most of all like do we want to try to you know further explore what what it is that we think like when we think about people approaching our music for the first time like we have our own specific idea in mind of the best way to do that and we don't want to impinge or impose that on all of our fans and say you know we're never going to stream a song we're never going to put anything on the internet you, there's going to be an lp and you have to buy a record player and you have to sit around and have a ritual and you have to light a candle like we don't want to control the experience that much but that said we felt like it was a good opportunity to sort of reconfigure the narrative to our own you know to our own vision so we i think it started with a facebook post man we put out a thing saying you know if we were to come to four cities in europe this may with 25 copies of our new record on a portable device you know what cities would you want those to be and it just did basically like 
if you see a city in the comment section here, like it, and then we'll pick the four that have the most likes. And those ended up being London, Berlin, Paris, which we weren't surprised because, you know, those are, those are huge cities. I think those are the three biggest in Europe. And then Porto, Portugal, which was like, it was funny because Porto had like the lion's share of the votes. I mean, it had over a thousand. Um, and I think Berlin or London was like hot on its heels with like 300 votes or something. So it was like, all right, we're definitely going there. And it's funny because we sold out every event except for Porto. I think there were only like nine or 10 people at it. Um, it was like, it was kind of, it was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so once we did that, then we sort of started to apply the apparatus and we were like, all right, let's, we'll sell this through our, our merch store and we'll announce when these go on sale and we'll let people know there's 25 spots. So get them quick. We'll sort of rope it into the pre-orders and yeah, we'll, we'll sort of formalize the whole thing. So we did that. Um, we got the cities picked out, tickets went on sale. And then I just went on Google and started researching different, like interesting natural landscapes in each of those cities and didn't want them all to be forests. Didn't want them all to be, you know, lakes or oceans kind of wanted something different from every location. And the four spots we picked out were great. I mean, in Porto, we were down by the water um, adjacent to this really cool park where they put on Primavera every year. And it's sort of like this really nice oceanside vista, but then there was, it was near this really like sort of decaying industrial area. So there was this like duality of the landscape that was really fascinating. And Berlin was a spot called Treptower Park, which was unreal, just, dense um huge trees with these really ornate old monuments um paris was in a jardin jardin de luxembourg which is this like kind of fancy touristy area right in the center of paris um with some very nice old uh medici fountain uh medici fountains which were awesome and then london was a place called Hampstead Heath, which was sort of north of town and had like a big hill and wooded area that left over the city. Um, and man, it was a trip, you know, it was, I mean, I, it's impossible to put that experience into words. It was truly, I had expectations going into it. It, it was just myself and then Yanni was there and Yanni was filming and he was going to he, he was sort of on site to put the video together, which is the one that you saw and everyone has seen on our webpage and stuff. Um, and I got to be honest, like, well, of course, like, yeah, I can't forget. I mean, we did one at Beverly and we have one with the whole band there. Um, and that was down the street from my house. So, I mean, it was less adventurous in terms of travel, but like, that was that the, was first the ocean, we right? And that, yeah, yeah. We, we went to a place called Lynch Park up here. And, uh, yeah. okay. It got it started off on the right foot. I mean, we didn't know what to expect. And I think at the beginning of the event, there was this, once again, this vulnerability where you pass these things out. And it's like, all right, no one's heard this record except us. You give a little speech. You say, you know, press play by hitting this button and plug your headphones in. It's funny because a lot of people showed up thinking that we were going to sit around in a circle, like with the album on a boombox or something, and then have to look at each other and like meditate and <laughs> you know have like deep conversations about the record after but people were pleasantly surprised when they rolled up and realized that it was going to be a private experience so they could do whatever they want um so there are people like doing kung fu and there are people 
doing like sitting and laying on their backs or there are people you know walking around in the water or whatever it was it was amazing but that first moment when you see people sort of depart and go on their way and press play there's that feeling of like wow like they're judging this sacred thing to us and you, you know you get you act kind of like a baby at first and then you know sort of the the fog clears and you realize that you know this is a cool idea and people come back and they're smiling and happy and then collected the devices and then we sort of just pick a bar to go to man and we'd all just sort of hang out and have some beers and Great. talk and chill and, and hang out and you know, these are 25 people who don't know each other i mean a lot of couples came together but this wasn't like a squad of 25 people who are all best buddies i mean these are folks that the only commonalities and similarities they have are the fact that they appreciate our music and you know pretty powerful by yeah by connection they like music like this and they all they appreciate this kind of experience and every night i left there's someone swapping a phone number or someone or giving someone a hug or like, yeah, I'll see you at the, you know, this show or when casting comes through or whatever. And the sense of community was, I mean, it really was for me, just, it was truly overwhelming. Um, I think, no, maybe I can't really remember what I said in that video, but I think I handed on, on the, I guess what I would call this sort of age of separation where it's, it's, becoming increasingly easier for us to detach from the things around us um you know with our with our with our phones and computers and and all that which i i'm i'm on all the time so i'm certainly no example um but i think it's it's becoming easier for us to sort of hide away and withdraw from the things around us and using those listening parties as this sort of antidote to that was it gave the album like a, a, a totally different sense of meaning because it was written. A lot of the stuff was, you know, produced for kind of a bleak time for us, um, and we were undergoing what we felt like was sort of that detachment and that coming back from tour and everything has changed again. And then I'll stay home for a little while, try to try to sort of like re realign your bearings, and then you leave again for a month and you come back and things have changed all over and you can't really get any sense of permanence to anything and it ultimately makes you feel kind of isolated and lonely and then you're writing a record in the midst of this and you do the record and then you give it to people and they have this experience that has brought people together and it just sort of sort of supplanted the whole thing i don't know it was it was really powerful and it was it, it, it didn't come out of nowhere because obviously we spent a lot of time planning it and setting it up um yeah well yeah at the end of the day it was it was it was kind of game-changing man well, I mean, I thought it was really, I thought it was kind of a powerful video because I had that thought where I was like, this is not something that most music fans ever kind of get to partake in, which is like that real close-knit listening among strangers where, like you said, the only thing that's tying them together and essentially is your music, which is, alone is a powerful thing. But then to see the different ways that they all engage with it at the same time must have been kind of profound. It was, yeah. And I, like I said, I, music to me is it's different for everyone. I mean, to me, it's an inherently sort of private experience. I, I listen to a lot of the music I listen to by myself, whether it's walking around or driving my car or laying on my couch or what have you. Um, I think that's just the kind of person I am. And I think a lot of people that gravitate towards this music, uh, you know, are kind of the same way. Um, I don't think there's like a post-rock. I mean, 
you know, in the seventies, there was a punk scene where you'd show up to the, you know, you'd show up to the show and everyone would be wearing the same thing. And, um, it was, it was great. There was a sense of, you know, you had an affinity to your, your brother there or whatever, and you liked the same music, but it was like a, it was a scene and it was defined by an aesthetic and a wardrobe, um, and a sense of community. I mean, post-rock, there's definitely a post-rock community and there's sort of, I guess, a, an evolving identity of what a fucking like post-rock fan is. But at this, I mean, more so, I, I think people appreciate this in their own way on their own time. And I think it was interesting with these listening parties because it tapped into that, but then it also kind of took the community element of it and roped it in without being too confrontational, you know, or too like, Hey, like, welcome to the scene or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you didn't really force it. Was just, to, to say more than one. Yeah, it was emerging of it was like emerging of this, the fact that this is inherently kind of more personal music, and we can find a way to do this together, and you can be reminded that you know you're not alone out there. Not to sound too dramatic, but like, um, no, no, you you make perfect sense. There are folks out there that are also feeling the way you are, and here's like an hour where you can share that experience with people in whatever way you want. So, yeah, I mean that's sort of just skimming the surface with those those experiences, man. But it was killer, dude. It was killer. Well, you mentioned you kind of like there's this ideal setting, or at least the setting that you have in your mind for how your music is to be ex- like best experienced. So I'm curious, like once you were able to get the album outside of the studio, did you find a place? kind of on your own to listen to the record for the first time yeah i have my sort of acid test you know where it's like um i every time i create a piece of music and especially when our records are done or we're in the demo phase and i'm not sure about you know what is this song communicating where is it going where could it go is it in the right direction should we scrap it i'm always for me it's a 3 a.m thing man um I get in my car and I, you know, blast my stereo to Kingdom Come and I end up replacing a lot of car speakers because of that. And uh, I just drive around this neck of the woods when everyone has to sleep. Um, There's some really wonderful roads that sort of dip in and out of the ocean up here. Uh, We call it the Cape Ann 500. I mean, people from the North Shore, I guess, might know what that is, but maybe like a 15, 20 mile stretch of road that sort of goes in through some forest and then comes out in the water and then goes back in. When you have that, when I have that time at 3 a.m. or, you know, 4 or whatever, that's sort of, I guess, my, like my moment is then with the stuff where I really feel like my mind can center around like the core ideas of what the music's doing and how it's affecting me. there's, you know, tons of music that I would play on a Friday night at 9 p.m. Sort of start the party, so to speak, or whatever. Um, our music isn't really that kind of stuff. So I don't listen to it then. But like I said, I, I guess tying into the private experience of it all, like that's when I feel like I have the most uh, sense of, like, self-possession. Where I feel like I, I'm, I'm, I'm with myself. I'm with my own thoughts. Like, all the noise is sort of gone. And I feel like I'm able to kind of see, I'm kind of able to sit above myself and sort of see myself from the outside, I guess, and balance all of the moving parts that are going on and sort of get like a sense of prescience and to the best of my ability. So that's always, 
that's always my go-to. I mean, it's different for all of us. Um, but whenever I can, I, I try to make, I try to make time for that. And it means being really tired the next day or not going out the night before or whatever sometimes, but it's worth it. You know? Definitely. Definitely. Well, I was just curious about that. Cause I, it's, it's weird, uh, you know, for me as a music critic, sometimes I, you know, like with this album, I only really have a stream of it. So I'm kind of confined to my home space and, and you're right. Like there is, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. if only because there are so many things around you that could pose a distraction or just because you're in like that familiar space, your mind has a little bit harder time kind of un, like unwinding to the point where you can kind of really get in, dig into something. So as much as I enjoy the album now, like I do always have that like itch where I'm like, okay, well, when I can get it in my car or when I can, you know, get a, get away with it, I'll really be able to kind of dig, dig deeper. Yeah, when you can sort of detach from like the cold like death grip of a computer screen or whatever, and exactly the issue of checking I, your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> if it works, if it works in in that environment, then I feel like that's off to a good start. You know, if it can work there, then it can work anywhere. So, can you not? You can't get it on your phone or walk around with it. I guess you can't be mobile. Right? It's got to just be like. No, yeah. I don't, I don't know how the streams work and all that, all that shit. But. Well, it's it's you know it's there for security and it works well. But I mean, I enjoy the album. I enjoy the album sitting at my desk. So that's why I'm like, oh, when I get, when I can really like crank this up and get away from anything that looks like an Apple product. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. You gotta, you gotta let me know how that experience goes. When chance. Well, I will. Uh, that's, the, that's that's the bread and butter. I do want to talk about a couple, I do want to talk about the album a little specifically. I kind of talked about it you know, outside a bit, but I do have a few songs that I wanted to touch on, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess, I guess, you know, every release has kind of pushed the boundaries of how we define the Cassian sound. Obviously, the album is no exception. Um, and I was trying to think, of like, where, where do I start? with like the song I like the most or the one that I think people are going to want the most story behind. So I guess we should start there. And I think that's probably run dry just because it, it kind of stands out as this yeah. unique song amongst the catalog. And uh, I don't, like, I, I'm going to put a big spoilers tag on it before anyone that doesn't hear the album, just so people don't, you know, I don't want to ruin the surprise for them, but like, what's the story go, behind go that it. song? Well, there are vocals, there's vocals. And it is the kind of thing where as a fan, I was excited, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way about the post-rock bands that you enjoy outside of your own music, but it's like you always kind of had this idea where you're like, they're going to push the boundary and they're going to do something unexpected. But for whatever reason, that was the thing that caught me most off guard where I was just like, oh my gosh, they did the thing that people don't think they're supposed to do. Yeah. They went Well, there. I mean, we didn't, we certainly, we certainly didn't do it to be subversive. Um, Granted, we want to push the agenda forward and we want to keep expanding our sound. But I think as an artist, when you get into the territory of doing something just for the sake of being controversial, uh, I mean, I, I have some friends that are, you know, phenomenally creative, artistic people, writers, painters, whatever. And, you know, that's maybe they could probably explain and validate that mode of being better than I could. But that's never something I've been into. So. Um, it, we certainly don't do anything to be like, oh, you know, let's see if we can stir things up or, you know, shit, stir the like, pot. really yeah. freak people out here. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. We do things, I don't want to say out of necessity, um, but kind of, I guess. Uh, I don't know. That song, I mean, that song is it's certainly representative of a lot of the music that I really enjoy. I mean, I've sort of 
whittled down what I really like listening to. And it's really just like a collection of acoustic singer songwriters, you know, like Mark Koslick or Jason Molina, um, folks mm-hmm. like that or Boys of Canada. And if it's not that, then it's kind of classical music, I think. And it's a whole right. other tangent that I won't go off on, but this is explaining a lot of different things about this record to me real quick. Sorry, not to interrupt. But okay. Like, oh, this but, is like, all these I mean, I, yeah, well, parts of Canada, that's a trigger word. It's like, Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I feel you. Like I, it, it's harder to listen to rock music just because we've done over 680 shows now and you're playing with rock bands every night. Most of whom are great and are wonderful people and, you know, make amazing music, but get inundated with it one too many times. You want to just sort of consolidate everything down into like the essence of what you really love about music. And, you know, Run Dry is sort of reflective of the stuff that I personally really love about music. That Cal, who wrote, who wrote the majority of that and sings the entire thing, really loves about music. And it's a song that we've wanted, uh, it's a kind of song that we've wanted to have, we, we wanted to have something like that on a Caspian record for a while. Um, but it was sort of, uh, the pieces didn't really come together for the other narratives and other stories and other arcs that we wanted to present with those records to warrant it. And most of all, and you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, for the first time, I feel like we actually had something to say, like we had words and lyrics that, I mean, for so long we've written songs that melodically, uh, emotionally, atmospherically, really, I feel like do capture how we're feeling. And we have a lot on, on our minds, like every, every other musician out there, every artist in the world. And instrumental music has been our way in which we're comfortable sort of explaining those things and getting those ideas across and feeling like, okay, like this piece of music clarifies how I'm feeling right now. And we've been able to do that successfully for us instrumentally. Uh, when it came time to this record, you know, there were some things that we were feeling and ways that we were, you know, uh, this sort of era and season of life that we're in that we needed some words to point to those things and not, you know, present it on a silver platter um, or conversely be too, you know, abs- poet- poetically abstract. We wanted to have it some some grounding and some basis in, you know, the book that is Caspian and this record being another chapter. I think, you know, like when we sing, you know, Wide Awake Now on that song, you know, that's a, not a challenge or a charge, but that's a commentary on waking season. Um, like we really are on the other side of that experience and it's been a pretty intense couple of years for us in every single way possible. And I think lyrically, you know, that expresses where we are right now in this moment. And I feel like it, it kind of had to happen for this album. We needed something like that to, to, to clarify our, our feelings and our thoughts. And that song did it perfectly. And when we realized that it would fit in the record, granted it would be a major curveball for people. And I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be really polarizing. And there are a lot of people who are dogmatically into no vocals, on you know instrumental quote unquote post rock music or whatever and we don't I mean we really don't give a shit about that at all to us it's just about doing what feels right and that felt you know just as right 
or if not more than anything we did for the record. So, yeah, that was a yeah. classic case of, yeah. I, I think, almost necessity, man. If we had something to say that we just didn't feel like our music could, could accomplish it with that piece alone. And sort of dipping our foot into the shallow end of that pool of, you know, lyrics having depth and having meaning and communicating or clarifying thoughts or feelings, it felt sort of like a perfect opportunity to do that. And, you know, to be quite honest, I, I think everyone in the band hopes that we continue to sort of explore that side of the, that side of the music. We'll see. It's going to happen naturally. And we don't go into record saying this one's going to have a song with vocals. This, you know, this record's going to have like, you know, Aaron's piece, like it's going to have a classical guitar, like exclusively a classical guitar piece on it, which mm-hmm. is sort of like, the record takes form and the noise sort of drifts away and then it appears and it, it becomes sharper and it becomes vivid and you're able to sort of apprehend what the story is and then you fill in the gaps and that was yeah one of those songs that helped sort of glue it together I think. When I when I hear that song, I, it's in the middle of the record, right? So it's like, yeah, it's flanked on either side by these kind of more traditional Caspian songs. Um, Definitely. They're like the dramatic, epic, like, this is why I listen to this band. Um, yeah. I'm all in. And then in the middle, you have like this core of that song. And I feel like it's almost being, it's almost like the other songs are like trying to protect it or something, you know, it's like <laughs> this innocent, like, oh man, like, you know, please don't hate me. I know I'm like the new guy to the party here, but like, yeah, my intentions are well and good. And then the other song is there to be like, yeah, like don't mess with this guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's like the only analogy that comes to mind. But no, no, I think it's a good analogy. Yeah. And, and I think you know, I think that that's kind of a thing that happens on the record. I think that the the songs that really catch me the most off guard are the ones that are kind of nestled between the songs that you're like, oh, that that makes it. Like Darkfield is a crazy, crazy might be one of the craziest songs you guys have ever done, and it's nestled between another two yeah. songs that I think are very tame in comparison. While unique and still different, it's like that song stands out as like a, oh, okay, we're yeah. going to go crazy for 11 minutes. Right. <laughs> Seven minutes or however long. Yeah, it's, I mean, there are longer songs on the record, but that one's the one that really kind of keeps you on your toes. That's what we were going for. So, man, that's great to hear. You know, like <laughs> I, we're starting to enter this phase now where people are, they've heard the music. And when we were writing it, it was sort of like, I wonder if people are going to, like, I wonder if people are going to pick up on that. And if they don't, whatever, we are, so it's fine. But it's cool to hear stuff like that now. You know, it, it really is, man. It's, uh, it's nice that people are able to sort of gravitate around, I guess, some of the intentions of the things that we were going for with these songs. is uh, Fantastic, dude. Is, is, that, is, that, is that your favorite song, probably? No, Rio Seco is my favorite song. Dude, my man. Cool. I was going to ask you about that. Actually, is that a is that singer songwriter influence? What is that kind of where that steel guitar comes from? Yeah, that's uh, definitely. Uh, well, I, I mean, Cal's always been a phenomenal uh, steel player. Like, just he plays yeah. on everyone's record. He's played There's on a, a bunch great... of. I mean, he he, he had some good ahead. stuff on him. He did. You even had a part in the Raven, I think, that was kind of buried. Um, I mean, we flirted with that, but yeah, for that one, there was that break there, and 
originally in, in the demos that I had written, there was like a Mellotron part for that. And I, I really liked the notes and I liked the movement of it. And the, it had a nice vibe, but it's like, well, we used a lot of Mellotron on the last record. That's my, that's my favorite instrument in the whole wide world, like untouched. Um, that's just a magic box. But it became pretty clear during demoing that like that had to be reinterpreted through like a very uh, accessible, sharp, approachable steel part. And um, we spent a lot of time on that in the studio. It wasn't an easy part for Cal and he's, you know, he's a steel player of the highest caliber. So yeah, that, that took a bit, but that, that's, that's also really cool that you noticed that. Um, yeah. There's, there's an undeniable like country vibe to that little break there. That's like, it catches you off guard, but it works so well that for a moment, it, and it happens so early in the record where you're like, Oh man, is this where we're going for the rest of the album? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, on but that note, on but on that note, Arcs of Command could not be like a more stark just juxtaposition coming off that. Yeah, it, it's definitely right there to be like, oh yeah, okay, I know these guys. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. that's that's yeah. yeah, shit, this is heavy and intense, right? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, that's been the fun challenge: is stacking up songs like that next to each other and being like, is this the same band or? But then hopefully there's enough there are enough common denominators and there's a spirit and a a bit of, you know, the production, of course, is really important in terms of making it like a homogenous thing. Um, but yeah, that was, in terms of Rio Seco, I mean, we definitely, we wanted to start this album more understated. That was an intentional, that didn't just happen last minute. I mean, a year or two years ago, when we're thinking about putting the record together, it's like, okay let's think about all of our albums. Like they all start with a drone or a mysterious atmosphere and then they slowly emerge. And then before you know it, there's, you know, wall of sound, guns blazing, we're kicking ass. I think for this album, we really wanted to start off with something almost, I mean, not uncharacteristic, but definitely not like a conventional, this is like a track one or two of a, a new, you know, Caspian record thing. And once again, not to be subversive and not to just fuck with things for the sake of fucking with them, but we really did want to make something personal. We wanted to make this like a, a personal record for us and for, for the listener. And I think the best way to communicate that came in the form of having some really like stripped down, naked, sparse instrumentation. So, you know, the first track, and I, I'm also wondering how many people will pick up on this, but the first track separation number two is like a microcosm of, of track two of Rio Seco. Um, it's the same chord changes and it has the same melodies and it's in the same key. It's basically like, yeah, it's like a, it's a much smaller compact, um, mellow version of, of Rio. And then Rio Seco comes along and then is like the fully realized pedal to the metal builds and builds kick the door down eventually and go into like Caspian zone. Um, but starting it off with something like that, I, I think like, I think maybe early in the conversation, you, know, you alluded to how things have changed over the years. And maybe 10 years ago, we'd put a song like Rio Seco in the middle of the record or maybe towards the end because the song we love, but maybe people might not, you know, they don't associate us with having that steel eyed side of country or whatever. Um, 
but we wanted to definitely start this off in, in kind of a bold way. And I think that took form in doing something that just wasn't this blatantly smashing wall of sound thing. Like we'll save that for track three and four and then revisit it as the album sort of mutates and grows and expands. But to get the story started and to get us like, you know, hopefully into new ground. I mean, I think you said something like that, right? Like, am I, is this what this is going to sound like? Um, no, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's good. I think that's great. I think that's one of the things that we were, without trying to be too manipulative, that's one of the things that we were going for, you know? Yeah, well, I, you know, we, we've kind of already touched on this, but what I, one of the things I think is most interesting about the album as a whole is the sequencing, because I feel like as the band has progressed, and you know, there's kind of this typical expectation in post-rock that everything's going to kind of like flow together and be like this big cohesive piece. And it is, this record still is, but it also keeps you on your toes. And it's kind of, it's really hard to find that balance where it's like exciting, but still fits together. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was definitely a goal. I mean, we, we always have wanted to be our own band. Like we've wanted to be Caspian. And I think, you know, a lot of post-rock bands that we know and that we are friends with and, you know, talk to about this kind of music all the time. It's like the thing that people hate, and, and we don't have, we don't have antagonism towards the term post-rock to the degree that some other people I know do. And it, it's fine. And everyone interprets it their own way. But I think one of the things is that no one really likes to be defined as, you know, you're a post-rock band. Your music has to be this. It has to be. It has to have obvious crescendos. Every song has to be 11 minutes. It has to build. It has to be a melody that repeats when you get heavier and heavier. Like that's all well and good. And you know, the last song on this record does exactly that. Um, but if that comes into friction with, and it's like, well, the music I listen to that I like doesn't really do that all the time. So why can't we? Well, I guess we're known as doing one thing, so you know, are we gonna, are people not going to listen to us anymore? Are we not going to fit into the cookie cutter post rock thing? Is the band just going to go belly up because we're not doing what people want us to do anymore? And it's an age old thing. I mean, bands have struggled with this forever. From you name it, uh, everyone wants to evolve their sound, and everyone finds different ways to do that. Uh, for us. Yeah, it's incorporating instrumentation that's different. It's trying to structurally map out songs that don't you know, follow the same template every time, which is extremely hard. And that's that's the hardest part about writing this stuff, you know? I mean, pop music, conventional alternative rock music is also very difficult to write, but it's in a different way. I mean, you have to come up with a, this is your successful hook and this is your chorus. And these are your words that like over the verse that glue the whole thing together. And that's, that's no walk in the park, you know? Uh, But for us, the form, the difficulty it comes in is basically like, we can't, we we can't repeat our structures. Like we can't, we don't want to just have one song basically quote unquote, that like every song is that way. It just has a different melody or it has a different whatever, like, the way they're mapped out, all they have to be different, and they have to sort of. We we try to do that, and I think that sort of alludes to um, the keeping you on your toes thing that you're talking about. Um, it's just to keep it moving and, and to keep it exciting and, and to keep you interested and to not be a one-trick pony, you know. Um, yeah. And it's to be reflective of the music that we actually do listen to, and, and to be true to that, and not have to compromise that because you feel boxed into 
this certain genre where there are certain expectations and you have to be rigidly one way. We've never been into that. I mean, the reason I felt one of the many reasons and one of the main reasons I fell in love with this stuff 15 years ago is because there was so much freedom for, you know, from bands like Exhaust to Do Makes They Think to Godspeed to, um, I guess every band on, on Constellation Records, like Circus. I Academy, noticed the theme. But like, <laughs> yeah, like there was a freedom. It was like, all right, this one band's doing this really epic orchestral music. This other band's doing this kind of jazzy, tortoisey thing. This other band's just doing this avant-garde, uh, like nouveau stuff. Uh, but it's all quote-unquote post-rock. This is this is awesome, you know. Like, granted, okay, like maybe the one common denominator then is that there weren't vocals and there's not a singer preening over stuff, but at the same time, I've always thought it would be cool to sort of combine all of those things into, into one record, but keep retain the signature sound of the band's record that it is. And I don't know. uh, I I know that when people listen to music like ours and when they listen to Caspian specifically, you're going to be in a mood and you're going to want to put it on for that mood exclusively. And that's, that's the way it should be. I mean, uh, we would never, you know, we would never expect anyone to put on dust and disquiet when it's Saturday at, you know, 1030 and you're ready to go hang out or something. You know what I mean? Like that might be, it might be a bit of a bummer. Uh, maybe it wouldn't, I don't know. And it's full of surprises, but it, it does occupy a exclusive kind of moment. Um, but it doesn't have to be just this one dimensional same thing over and over again i mean it can be diverse it can be a more rich musically interesting experience i think and we certainly we haven't nailed that um but we're trying to like edge closer to that ideal i guess um and each record if it's a step in that direction then we feel like we're succeeding so that'll that'll keep us doing it for a while I guess if if that if that makes any sense. That was oh, it totally like makes a, sense. I'll mouth vomit, but <laughs> no, you're fine, man. You're fine, and I mean, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about the record because I I like everything you've done. I I honestly mean, I feel like this is your best your best work yet. Shit, thank you, thank you very much for saying <laughs> that. Uh, I don't know. We, we wouldn't have you... put it out. We what's that? Oh, I was just gonna say, if you find a way to uh, you find a way to surprise me, even though I feel like, especially as a, as a critic, I feel like I kind of you kind of hear it all after a while, and then you hear a record like this new record of yours, and you're like, nope, there's still a whole sonic landscape left to be explored. There's more to go, but if we keep chipping away each time, then like I said, we'll 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 do this forever, and that's what keeps it exciting, and yeah, it doesn't fit into. Any, I guess, uh, I guess it doesn't fit into any conventional genre, except post rock, maybe a little bit. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see who it grabs. It's grabbed us, and we're proud of it. So that's that's kind of all that matters to us, you know. And to hear that people, if you say it's your favorite record of ours, man, then that's that's fucking great, and that's gas in the tank, and that sort of keeps us going and propels us forward, you know, without a doubt. So that's that's much appreciated. Well, I mean, I appreciate it. I'm hoping to see you guys uh, next month when you come through Boston. I noticed real quick, um, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I do want to mention this. I noticed that on your upcoming tour dates, uh, Caspian Day, you don't have anything going on yet. 
Yeah, the 18th. Uh, no, we do. We're going to be oh, you do? in... Um, I saw you have tour date the night before and the day after, but I didn't see that you had one with Wait, that day. Oh, holy shit. You, you, might, you might be right. Um, yeah, I think you have a day I, off that day. Didn't you got to fill it. didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, that's between I, Atlanta and North Carolina, right? Yeah, it's not even a, it's not that long of a drive. We will be we'll probably post up. One of my goals on this tour is to find like the most out of the way legit like redneck bar, southern redneck bar like in the world. And I don't mean like a hostel place where like the record stops, you know, and skips when you walk in the door, but like not really. I want to find like somewhere, yeah, somewhere off the grid, have a nice glass of bourbon, just chill out, and like maybe that's what Caspian will be this year. Uh, Th- yeah, that's I how we all celebrate. Yeah, exactly. It's too late to fill that date. So, man, I didn't even realize that. Um, but that's that's divine providence. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was I was just looking because I was like I knew that you were coming through Boston, and I was like I don't think that there's no way the routing would make sense for them to have a show like in Beverly that day. And I was like, oh, it's off. And I was like, oh, that must mean they have they must have something up their sleeves. Well, now you have time. You still have time to plan. Wait, yeah. Now that you've planted the seed, we'll, we'll <laughs> we will think of something. Maybe we'll just throw like some party at a at a holiday inn somewhere in between there and invite anyone <laughs> yes. within a hundred mile radius to come rage with us. <laughs> yes. Right and, on. And, cool. I, I, I would never have thought about that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so strange. I mean, it's, it's awesome in the best, it's strange in the best way that you guys have a day in Beverly. And it's a way, it's something that you can definitely make a thing fans celebrate every year, I feel, without having to like do anything like super big and elaborate with it. So it's it's worth it's worth a thought. I like the idea of just going to get a drink somewhere odd. I think that's a fine challenge to everybody. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I've just I've watched True Detective too many times the first right. season, so I'm like, where can I find like that in Georgia? Or it's got to be <laughs> perfect. All right, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck with this album. I thank you so much for taking uh, taking some time out of your day to talk to me. Dude, you're uh, very good at what you do, man. I really appreciate the questions and the candor and everything. Like, uh, it's a true pleasure to talk to you, man. No, it's shared for me, man. I appreciate somebody that can talk this passionately and openly about their craft. So I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll cross paths here when you come to Boston in uh, five or six weeks, whenever that show yeah, comes around. Definitely. Hit, hit me up. We'll have a beer. And uh, let me know when the, when, it, when the piece goes on the Internet and we'll, we'll spread it like wildfire. So. All right. Thanks so much, man. Have a great day. You too, brother. Peace. All right. Thank you again for listening to Inside Music this week. That was Philip Jamison from Caspian. The band's new album arrives in stores September 25th through Triple Crown Records. As always, you can keep up with the podcast at www.holixdaily.com as well as on Twitter at Inside Music Pod. That's Inside Music P-O-D. I think we'll have a new show for you next week. So until then, be safe and have a great week.